Welcome to Explore the Word podcast. I'm so glad you could join in today. We're going to continue in our survey of the Old Testament, and in this episode, we're going to examine the book of Deuteronomy and Joshua. Deuteronomy means second law or repetition of the law. The author of most of this book is Moses. The last chapter was written by either Joshua or Eleazar. The historical setting of Deuteronomy uh, dates around 1405 BC. Uh, Geographically, Israel was posed near the banks of the Jordan River, eager for the new adventure into Canaan. Having conquered a vast area of eastern Jordan, with almost no casualties under the Lord's direction, they're ready for taking the next challenge, or going to the next challenge, of occupying the land of Canaan. Uh, Religiously, Israel was different in many ways from the first generation that came out of Egypt. They had not known the idolatry of Egypt. They had been now under the leadership of Moses for 40 years in the wilderness. So a vastly different mindset in regards to uh, who are they going to worship. They also learned the power of and victory of trusting the Lord in battle. Not their own hands, though they labored hard and fought well. They understood it was in trusting the Lord that they would get the victory in battle. They, along with all people, had still to deal with self-righteousness and much up for idolatry. No people group are ever exempt from that. The purpose of the book was to prepare the next generation of uh, Israelites for life in Canaan by restating the law that was given well, almost 40 years ago. And so Moses was really just hitting on the basic parts of the law in more of a sermon format than anything. He did this by reminding them of the past, encouraging them concerning the future and the promises of God for, for that future. Uh, he stressed the certainty of God's word, a wonderful thing that we all need to be reminded that there is certainty in God's word. Some of the unique contributions of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, It's the most quoted book in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is quoted 356 times by later Old Testament writers and is quoted over 190 times in the New Testament. It was actually one of Jesus' favorite books to recite. He quoted this book more than any other. Uh, Actually, in an encounter with the devil during temptation, he met the challenge with quoting from Deuteronomy. So that's a very unique contribution that Deuteronomy has. Uh, It it states as well within Deuteronomy the responsibility of public leaders. You see that in chapters 16 and 17. Uh, Three cases, there's three cases of Israel's leadership envisioned in these two chapters. Judges, priests and judges, and kings. Their primary responsibilities were to administer justice without partiality, and two safeguards were required to ensure that they, indeed their judgments were impartial. One, they were to guard against taking up any kinds of bribes, as stated clearly there, and they were to constantly seek counsel at God's word. They had to be in God's word to, to give the right kind of judgment. And uh, that's a wonderful thing, and, and we, we would long for a day in our own country that uh, our, our leaders would 
look to counsel from God's word. The great peril of idolatry is mentioned here as well. Um, Moses' warnings are continuous throughout the passages about this. Deuteronomy 7.4 For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. You know, Israel had come from a land of Egypt which was saturated with idolatry and had reverted, even as they came out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they had reverted back to idolatry in the wilderness and they were definitely judged for that. Now they're about ready to invade a land where the the people worshipped a pantheon of idols and gods. The land in Canaan was rich in many ways, but very corrupted by idolatry. The Israelites were about to enter a spiritual battle as well as a physical one. And Moses discusses the various ways in which the devil might come against them to lead them back into idolatry once again. Uh, So that's what happens in the book of Deuteronomy. And then the book of Joshua is named after the the principal figure in the book. Uh, His name means salvation of the Lord. And most scholars agree that Joshua wrote this book. So historically setting on the book, Joshua uh, is assumed to be the same age as Caleb. So he began to really lead Israel at around 79 years old. And he died uh, at 110. So his leadership extended for 31 years. Uh, Joshua 24, 19. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. The initial conquest of the land took seven years to complete. Uh, you'll find that in Joshua 14, 7, and verse 10. Um, the state of the nation, the leadership of the nation of Israel had transferred to Joshua after the death of Moses. And the nation followed Joshua in a great way and he really built on the teaching and preaching and leadership of Moses and it just helped them so much as they went in to conquer the land Um, so they invade uh, after the conquest of East Jordan that we saw that that referred to in Deuteronomy and now they go into the land of promise and they're led by 40,000 troops of the tribes on the east side of the Jordan River. Still an interesting side note. So the condition of Canaan. Geographically, the land of Canaan constituted the entire western strip um, of northern Gaza, Sodom um, to the south, uh, Sidon to the north. The land was populated by a mixed group who appeared to be descendants of Ham, um, the son of Noah. The groups were further identified by their identities. The Hittites, the sons of Heth, who settled in Asia Minor. Gergeshites, a region west of the Sea of Galilee. Amorites, a mountain people in the highlands and west and east of the Dead Sea. The Canaanites, from the northern sector of the land. Uh, Pezrazites, uh, associated with the Canaanites to the north. Jebusites, a warlike group of people around Jerusalem. And the Hivites, uh, peaceful Gibeonites near Jerusalem. 
Religiously and morally, the land was infested with idolatry. And here are a number of the gods that they served. And some of them would be familiar to you if you read much of the Old Testament, because unfortunately, Israel ended up serving some of these gods. So the first one is Elah, was the supreme deity. Poems described him as a bloody and cruel tyrant. Sounds like a wonderful idol, a god to worship. Baal was the son of Elah and his successor. Baal dominated the Canaanite um, domain for worship and was considered the lord of heaven. Antha, the sister of Baal and one of the three goddesses who were patrons of sex and war. So uh, again, we see how religiously and morally is infested by idolatry. And Molech and Milcom were Ammonite gods and the national deities of the Moabites. Uh, These gods of sexual perversion and violence reflected the cruelty and corruption of the people who made gods like themselves. Uh, Psalms 115 verse 8, they that make them are like unto them, so that everyone that trusteth in them. So they were reflecting what they served, I mean, and who they were themselves. The purpose of Joshua is to preserve a history of the conquest of Canaan and the division of the land among the tribes. This history that demonstrates the Lord's faithfulness as a covenant-keeping God. He covenanted, he promised that Israel would have this, so we see his word coming true. So there's you. New numbers, unique contributions uh, of the book of Joshua. Crossing the Jordan, for, uh, chapter 4. This crossing served a number of purposes. First, it confirmed Joshua's leadership as God ordained. You'll find that uh, in verse 3, verse 7, that he was ordained by God to lead. And second, it's a sign from the Lord that he was the one disposing the Canaanite nations of the land to give to the land of Israel. That was God's plan. Another unique thing is um, the sun stood still. Uh, Two supernatural interventions aided the uh, southern campaign against the Amorites. First, the Lord threw large hailstones that destroyed more than the troops did, the, the, the Jewish army. And second, the Lord lengthened a day of battle in which Joshua's army was able to overtake the enemies before they escaped. And even... Modern-day scientists, those who are involved with time and things, uh, they have acknowledged that there was some different, there was a day different in the sense the sun stood still and didn't rotate as the earth usually does. So interesting thing there, a unique contribution. Uh, And then Joshua 24, verse 15, probably the most famous verse of the book. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This classic challenge was given by Joshua at Shechem as he gathered tribes at the end of his life. And seeing their tendency to idolatry, he warns of the dangers and says you need to serve the Lord. You know, I'm going to serve the Lord. You need to do it. Uh, and he really challenges uh, them about that. And I know even growing up in my home, this verse was hung over the one of the, the manger entry points of our house as we went out. 
Uh, we would see it every day. And I'm thankful that my parents put that up there. And they did indeed uh, serve the Lord and continue to. So that's encouragement as well. Thank you for listening in. I hope uh, this survey of these two books has been an encouragement and help to you as you continue to explore the Word.